Sup, y'all, and welcome to Press On Sports. I'm Jack Vita. Today's going to be a fun time. I have a very good friend of mine joining me. We will be talking a lot about football from the weekend and maybe some other stuff. Maybe we we'll get a little bit of baseball in there. Should be fun. Last week, I had a few great podcasts out. The most recent one, I did a podcast on Like Mike. So if you haven't checked that out yet and you like that movie, go back, give that a lesson. I strongly recommend it. I think you'll enjoy it. And now let's get to today's guest. So this is a guy who was an All-American D3 athlete, law school student now, uh, Cody Bullen. How you doing? I'm doing well, Jack. Thanks for having me on, man. Was that intro okay? That was a beautiful intro. D3, <laughs> D3 All-American, law school. That's the, that's the whole nine yards when it gets to me, dude. That, you got it. You nailed it, dude. And once upon a time, you were studying to be like me, hosting a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Sports journalism is something that I still have a passion for. You never know. If you get a JD, you can kind of go anywhere. Um, that's what a lot of people kind of don't understand is that a lot of the lawyers don't litigate. They kind of just use it to get a little bit higher in whatever field they want to get into. So. Maybe journalism's in my future, we'll see, but uh, the passion is not left. Cool. Well, it's great to have you on. I'm glad we were able to work something out. It's been a few years since we've done a podcast together. I know. I know. I'm excited. I'm excited, dude. We had a good trip sophomore year before you left <laughs> for Valpo. We had a blast on that thing, and nothing's really changed on my side. I mean, still a huge sports enthusiast, as everyone who knows me knows that. So, And I know that you're up that alley, too. Um, <laughs> yep. So I'm, just, I'm glad to be on, dude. All right, Cody, I know you're a big White Sox fan. Let's start off with saluting the great Hawk Harrelson. Did you watch all three games this weekend? I didn't. I'm a bad Sox fan right now. <laughs> I, 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 I stay up on them. I make sure that I'm always watching the updates, trying to get a game in once every other week and just watching them fully. But um, I've been kind of busy, you know, starting, starting a new chapter. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, we got to win. And that, that is huge. We got one win, dude. We got one win. Yeah, there you go. It made me, made me sweat for a little bit there on that Friday game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we put up 10 on Quintana. So I don't know if it was 10 on Quintana, but Quintana was the <laughs> starter. So um, I was glad we got to put up some runs on a fellow uh, former White Sox um, in our W. So, Cody, to those who are listening to this podcast outside of Chicago, outside of the great state of Illinois, Maybe not the greatest state at the moment, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, how would you how would you summarize to someone who doesn't know the greatness and the legend of Hawk Harrelson? How would you um, create that picture for them? Well, he and he embodies a lot about just like the Sox uh, in general. I think we we talked about this a little bit earlier off the podcast, but he kind of embodied. Um, the voice of the Sox, which wasn't really encapsulated by anyone else beforehand. Like that was never something that someone kind of took to their own. And Hawk was that kind of guy. Um, he was for, for people that weren't a Sox fan, they didn't realize that, you know, he was a homer. A lot of people, had, a, lot, a lot of people that weren't Sox fans thought that, you know, he wasn't great because he was such a homer. He was always rooting for the, for the Sox. And, but that was like, that was like something that we lived for. Like, like Hawk was the voice for all of us in this great city you know, that we're rooting for the underdogs. Other than 2005, I mean, no one has really ever gravitated towards the White Sox. They're almost a forgotten team in the MLB. So Hawk was that guy that kind of kept us, you know, kept us sane, kept us positive about the ball club at all times. And I remember growing up listening to him, and that was something that got me so involved with the Sox in general. It was Frank Thomas, you know, Jim Tomei, Jermaine Dye, Scott Pitsednik during that World Series year. These guys were all described perfectly and were followed daily by this legend. So I was just, I was, it sucks to have him leave, but in the same sense, you know, you look back on it and you're, so, you're grateful for a guy who did so much for a ball club. I also want to challenge that idea of him being a homer because I just want to bring up the fact that every single broadcaster every single play-by-play guy is employed by the team that he covers. If you cover a specific team at the major league level, you're employed by that team. 
So, you, I mean, like, of course, it's always going to be in the best interest of that guy for the team to win. I mean, I think I think most of them are, almost all of them are rooting for their team. The other thing, though, is that Hawk and Steve Stone, they weren't afraid to get critical of when the team wasn't playing well. They would say stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you saw that a lot with Hawk. I mean, Steve Stone, who's somewhat new, like somewhat new relative yeah. to what Hawk was. Um, I think... Steve Stone's really good at, yeah, at kind of being frank about the whole thing, and Hawk was the same way. I mean, Hawk would almost be like a fan at times. Like, I mean, he is a fan, but he'd be broadcasting as a fan. Like, at times, like, he would get mad, and it wouldn't even be part of the broadcast. He would just be like, dang, Navit. He'd be like, <laughs> he'd be like we got to get this guy out of here. Or, like, stuff like that. Like, it'd be little things that you'd be thinking about sitting on your TV at home, and you'd be like, yeah, you're, you're, you're freaking right. Like, you're right. You're right, Hawk. So, um, that, I mean, as a Sox fan, I loved that stuff. I loved being able to relate to Hawk and listening to him. If 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 I was listening on a weekly, ba- watching on a weekly basis, you know, just being able to relate to a guy who was a fan too. I mean, having an outsider is never a good thing on a on a pot on a on a broadcast that's only going to be heard by Chicagoans. So it was great to have a guy like Hawk. Yeah, and I think that you brought up the part of being a fan. Being a fan doesn't mean that you're following a team blindly. You can be critical at times, and I think that a lot of broadcasts, they aren't critical enough. So that's one thing that I really like about Hawk, and Ron Sano was the same way. Yes, yes he was. I I would totally agree. And I'll be honest, for the last few years, when when it's been the Crosstown Cup, the Crosstown Classic, I've listened to the White Sox side of the broadcast because I've enjoyed listening to Hawk so much. And he has a lot more personality than most broadcasters do. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, he's he's an acquired taste for sure. But yeah. if if you're up if you're up his alley, like that kind of form of broadcasting, you're going to fall in love with them. So I think a lot of Sox fans fell in love with them when they got to they got to listen to him more. They became somewhat of a reoccurring guest on on these ball, at these ball games, just listening to the broadcast. And I think everyone that was a real Sox fan kind of fell in love with Hog. He also had a knack for letting the game breathe at times. He wasn't just going to fill up your broadcast with words for the purpose of talking. He would talk if it was something important. Yes. He also, um, usually you got to find that middle ground, especially if you're a player that's broadcasting, to kind of talk about maybe your experience, but also relating it back to modern, you know, like what's going on now? Because no one really wants anyone to reminisce forever. But Hawk was like really <laughs> good at kind of during these roles within a broadcast kind of implementing his experience as a player, which I thought was so cool. Um, and he kind of related back to, you know, the, the thing that was going on at the present time in the broadcast. Um, and at times you, you'd kind of try to picture Hawk at, you know, as a ball player, cause he was a ball player trying to picture him playing on the field, which is always funny, but he did a really <laughs> good job of kind of reminiscing back about his old, you know, his time when he was playing, and being able to implement it into what was going on now. Yeah, well said. Um, so we will miss him. He was great. He had great catchphrases, and he was an icon for a long time. Oh, yeah. The best the best phrases. He gone. Yeah, he, he gone, I think, was like one of the most popular. Uh, maybe maybe because I'm a Chicago White, fan, White Sox fan. Like, Am I wrong that he gone is like probably one of the biggest broadcast sticks in the game, like ever? Like no, you're not. Is, yeah, that's huge. <laughs> you're not wrong. I think it is. I mean, I remember playing Little League around here and kids always saying that when a guy got struck out from the bench, they'd always say, he gone. And uh, yeah. I mean, like some of the other ones, like you can put it on the board. Yes. Like that wasn't one that really stuck outside of this city, but it was iconic and enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. I really like that one, too. Uh, can of corn was another Santa Corn. He also said uh, duck snort. I don't know if you've ever heard that one. He used to call I'm, it a duck snort, like a, a blooper over like a second baseman or a shortstop that would just plop in between the outfielder and the infielder. He just call it. He just call it a duck snort. And like as a kid, I was like, what? What is he saying? Like, what is he saying to me? Um, but you know, you you jumped on you jumped on the hawk bandwagon no matter what. And it was funny, I was listening to Hawk this weekend, he did Can of Corn, and my mom is like, why does he say that? <laughs> I explained what it meant, but she's like, why? And I'm like, 
That's a good point. I don't know. <laughs> so I listened to the Dan Levitard show, which is one of my favorite shows. Oh. And they talked about Can of Corn. They brought Tim Kirchner on, who obviously, if anyone's a baseball fan, they know he's a legend. And he didn't know. But they, ha- I forgot what the reason was. But it's kind of complex. Like, it's actually, like, doesn't, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Do you know what it is? <laughs> No, I don't. It just seems like something that made sense in Hawk's mind to yell can of corn when he sees a fly ball, but <laughs> and it just became a thing, <laughs> and it just stuck. True. So we'll miss him. You want to talk a little bit about stuff from the other side of Chicago baseball? Yeah, whatever you'd like to do. That's, that's fine with me. I want to get, we'll get to football in a second. I just want to ask you real quick, should I be concerned about the Cubs at this stage? I don't think with a group as talented as the Cubs, you need to be concerned. Um, just because I think that they have talent everywhere. They have a possible MVP in Javi Baez. Um, as we recently saw, they, got a, they have a guy that ranks at, at, uh, at pitcher and Cole Hamels. Um, no, but in all seriousness, they, they are loaded. I don't think there's anything really to worry about. Um, but you never know with baseball, man. And I know you know this because baseball is your thing. Yeah. You never know with baseball. I mean, it, it's, it is a crapshoot at times. I mean, we've seen in October um, that pitching staffs are really what a lot of these teams rely on because at the end of the day, that's what's going to keep your consistency. But you really never know until you get to October. I actually think Yelich will win the MVP. Are you, do you have a dog in the MVP fight? <sighs> I mean, Yelich has been unbelievable, which I, I think is kind of cool. Just because you, no one, no one really heard of him. I mean, he was in such a small market when he was in Miami. Yeah, you young probably, guy. I mean, he, yeah, he was always a really talented guy. Um, but I think it's pretty cool that you know a guy like that who really has had no name recognition um, can get in this debate. Now, I'm not going to pick any sides. I mean, to be honest with you, I wish that the Chicago White Sox had Javi. He's one of my favorites <laughs> in the MLB to watch. Um, I think if you like baseball, I mean, how could he not? So I would have to lean towards Javi, but to be honest, I don't really have a dog in the fight. How about you? Oh, no, I, I said Yelich. I would go Yelich. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You pick Yelich over Javi? Yeah, because if you look at the numbers, they are basically around the same for home runs and steals, and Yelich has a better OPS. He's got a better OBP. He's got a much – his batting average is like 30 points higher, and – I mean, they're both really good defenders, so you can't really go to the defense part. And Yelich leads the league in OPS+. plus. So, I mean, there are a lot of things. He might win a batting title. He's batting 320. Yeah, I mean, that is true. I mean, I, I kind of have a little bit of a bias just because, I mean, the Brewers are, what, one and a half games back right now. They're playing, first of all. We saw that coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're like a game and a half back right now. And... I mean, Javi is just someone maybe that I'm a little bit biased towards just because I think that he's he, – Yelich is good in the field too. I think you're right. But Javi does some stuff that I don't think anyone else in the league can do at times. I got one more thing on the subject of baseball for you. So here are the teams that the Cubs could potentially play in the first round of the playoffs if they win the division. You got Braves, Dodgers, Rockies, um, Cardinals, and Brewers. Which of those teams would you be the most afraid of playing in the playoffs? Uh, give me, you can give me two or three. I'd probably say the Cardinals first, wouldn't you? Because of the pitching? I mean, yeah, because of the pitching, but I'd also say just in general, like when you have a team like the Cardinals who have been there and have guys that have put together, I mean, like, like the Cardinals have always been that team. You remember back in the day, they, I think yeah. they were a wild card team that was probably 10 games over 500. Um, and they went to the World Series and won it all. I, I never count the Cardinals out just because they're a team that just keeps their head above water. In every single year, they're, they're constantly keeping their head above water. Um, what were the other teams you named? I, mean, I, don't, I don't see the Braves doing much because when do you see a lot of these teams with no playoff experience, you know, with any guys on the roster really doing any damage in the playoffs? I mean, this is the first time in what? How many years since the Braves have been there? The Braves, uh, I think 2013, I want to say. Or 2013-2014. Who was on that team? Hayward? Yep, Justin Upton. Oh. Yeah, so I mean, I would, I would say the Cardinals, who else, would you, who else would you say? 
Rockies, Dodgers. Well, the Rockies can hit the hell out of the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, Nolan Arenado, I don't know if he's cooled off. Is he cooled off a little bit? Well, his home, as a lot of Colorado guys are, his home splits are a lot nicer than his road splits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Arenado is one of my favorite players. I think they can hit the they can hit the hell out of the ball, as everyone knows. To be honest with you, it, it's it's kind of interesting because the Cubs are so talented. It really like it's a matter of them just just self assessing what 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 they have to do. Like, I don't think it's anything that they really need to worry about outside of themselves. They're so talented that I don't think that it's going to be a huge issue for them to kind of assess the teams that they're going to be playing as long as they're putting together, you know consistent pitching they're hitting the, the i mean that's another thing with october baseball guys go on slumps and then they become useless in the playoffs yeah I mean, which is very interesting you don't see that a lot in other sports but baseball is a game of runs and runs i don't mean by like crossing home plate i mean you know getting on hot streaks and you know staying hot and i think that october baseball when guys get cold it's hard for them to pick it back up so um i think that's the biggest thing for them is just making sure the consistency is there yeah, I would be afraid of the Braves, honestly. That may be a bit of a hot take. Wow. Yeah, why is that? The reason why is that the Cubs struggle with good pitching. And I'm looking at Fultonevich. I'm looking at Sean Newcomb. I'm looking at Kevin Gossman, who's had a rebirthing lately in Atlanta. Those are a lot of guys who can strike them out a lot. The Cubs struggle a lot with these good pitchers, and they seem to, like, Look at what just happened when they just played Jameson Tyon last night. Their only run came with on a Cole Hamels homer. Which was raked, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, he killed yeah. that. Dead center. I got I to gotta, I gotta ask, too. Isn't it Fultinowicz? I, I believe it's Fultinowicz. Is it? Yeah. I swear it's Fultinowicz. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we, we'll look- we actually we got to watch him play. Yeah. He, he pitched when we went out to California. Yeah, he was a, a rookie while, then, man. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He has pitched like a true ace this year. He's been terrific. Yeah, I'm looking at his stats right now. I mean, under three. The whip's at 1.11, too, which is big. Yeah. He's been very good. So, I mean, that's a team. I know you brought up experience being a problem. The Cubs got to the NLCS in 2015 and lost to a team with no experience in the Mets that got to the World Series. And I really think that any team could win this National League right now. It's it's wide open. Yeah, I mean, once again, I'm stressed. It, but yeah, October baseball is just like that. I mean, any of the teams that have somewhat the talent can make something happen. Um, I think you're right. I'm looking it up now. It is Fulton Evich. I've been calling <laughs> this guy Fulton Evich forever. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, in a week from now, it will be the first wild card game, I believe. Yeah. I mean, wild, I love the wild card games. I yeah. love the wild card games. That's when that's when my eyes are glued. <laughs> so, we'll be we'll be bringing you right back into watching baseball all the time in a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. I can't I can't keep my eyes away from baseball. That's one thing. <laughs> all right. So, now Cody I know you are a big, big football guy. You played high school football. Um, I'm sure you have a lot of opinions. What stuck out the most from the weekend? Biggest uh, biggest game you saw or biggest story coming out of the weekend? Well, I mean, I, I did not. I don't think anyone in the universe saw the Bills beating the Vikings this weekend. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was like, <laughs> if I had a gun to my head, there is no way in a hundred years that I would ever think that that team, that Bills team that they have right now would have beaten the Vikings. I mean, it was unbelievable. They looked, The Vikings looked horrendous. Um, I think that was the biggest... There, there were a lot of little upsets this week. I mean, that, which I love. You, I mean, you love to see that stuff because when you have good competitive balance, especially in the NFL, I mean, that just makes for great weeks. Great weeks. I mean, Tennessee got a big win. Um, Green Bay lost, which is almost as great as the Bears winning. So, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of things that stuck out. How about you? I was thinking of the Patriots game. Yeah. And not yeah. not from the side of the Patriots being screwed, because they, they seem to be coming out of the gate slow each year now. 
the Detroit Lions played like the team that I thought they might play like this year when I picked them as a wild card team. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think that a lot of people count on Stafford pretty quickly, even when everyone knows what he's capable of. I mean, yeah. people are like, oh, Stafford sucks. It's like, all right, hold off for a second and let him swing. I mean, he, he is going to be the guy that's going to throw a couple interceptions a game, maybe make a couple stupid plays, and then you, you start doubting him. But there's very few guys that are as talented as Matthew Stafford at the quarterback position. Um, and Golden Tate is one of the most underrated wide receivers, I think, in the NFL. Yeah, I agree um, with that. He's tough as nails, doesn't drop the football, and he's been someone that's been a steady hand for Stafford throughout you know, his entire tenure there. So um, I think they have a pretty solid team, and I think that defense is going to only get better with Patricia. I mean, that scheme may take a little bit more you know, Patricia's implementing his scheme, obviously, as a defensive coordinator coming from New England. So that may take a little while, but, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty talented team if you want to look at it from, a, from top to bottom. They looked horrendous against the Jets, but... Um, Overreaction Monday, that me. was. Yeah. yeah, we saw it on Sunday, excuse me. Sunday night, I mean, we saw that, you know, this team has, has potential. It's just a matter of if they, if they can put it together. And I think that the biggest thing for them is that they're able, if they're able to establish the run, which they haven't been able to do in years, it's like they're still trying to replace Barry Sanders. I mean, Kerry on Johnson, he looked pretty good. They were committing to the run. The run attack looked good. I like what LeGarrette Blunt brings to that team in terms of just a tough, hard-nosed Detroit guy. If they can commit to the run, I think that can open up a lot of different things for that offense and for that team. Yeah, for sure. I think LeGarrette Blunt was a good addition. I thought the same thing. Um, I'm a bigger Bears fan, but I am a you, as you know, I am an Eagles fan. I'm a, I, I was I grew up, you know, a big Eagles fan too. Um, ever since I was little, and LeGarrette Blunt, you know, getting him last year, the guy. I mean, it's kind of overlooked. Like, what, you need running backs that fall forward. You need guys that are getting the first down and 32. You need guys that are going to be able to take a beating and fall forward and get you some yards. Cause um, I mean, nothing's earned nowadays in the NFL. A lot of these running backs don't even make it past 29, 28 even because they're, you know, beat up throughout their career. So LeGarrette Blunt is someone that you don't come across often. If you really think about it, you don't come across guys like LeGarrette Blunt often. I mean, Marshawn Lynch, 32, that's kind of one guy that sticks out. Adrian Peterson, 33, he took a year off, though. So, I mean, you don't find a lot of these tough runners that are getting towards the back half of their career but can still kind of keep that consistency and toughness and somewhat healthy, you know, healthy, a healthy year ahead of them, hopefully. Um, I mean, that's tough to find nowadays. Yeah, and I think that the division right now in the NFC North, I mean, first of all, who could have predicted that the Bears would be in first place at 2-1 and one at this stage? But... I mean, right now it's wide open. Now, I do think that Minnesota, I had them winning the Super Bowl this year. I think they're going to come back. I think they're going to be the number one team in that division. But as for right now, I think it's wide open. Yeah, I would agree. And I think the Bears' defense is even better than what people thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. Khalil Mack's been everything anyone hoped, which is awesome. Um, and I think that it's going to keep up just by watching him play. Like, I don't, I don't. This isn't a fluke. Like, he, he is going to be this good. Um, Nick Fangio has revamped that entire defense. Maybe, I mean, call me biased. Call whatever you want. That's fine. <laughs> but, I mean, this Bears team is legit. I think they're just waiting on Trubisky, which is going to hold them back. It is. It, it, got to call a spade a spade. Like, Trubisky is the one that's holding them back right now. Um, and I think that that, you know, a lot of them are just waiting on Trubisky to kind of come into his own and be comfortable there. But the Vikings, I mean, the Vikings have all the pieces, all the pieces. I mean, you look at Green Bay, you know, they have Rodgers, and that's kind of where it falls off. But you get to Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota, if not the best, one of the best defenses in the league, has a guy that's proven himself at the quarterback position. Delvin Cook, if he can stay healthy, is an elite runner. Um, you got Stephon Diggs and you have Adam Thielen, who are both fantastic, who don't drop the football. Um and I think, you know, that's all you really need. I mean, that that's a loaded team right there. Yeah, it, it's a, it has a potential to be a dominant, great team. I'm really excited to watch Thursday night, Rams and Vikings, which could be, I mean, that could be the NFC Championship game right there. Oh, for sure. 
for sure. And golf is kind of coming into his own. I remember when golf played his first year, everyone was like, oh, he's, he's another one of the, he's another one of the fall offs. He's Blaine Gabbert. We have another Blaine Gabbert here. It was like, <laughs> let's just throw him away. But then, you know, Jeff Fisher left. And I mean, Nick, they've done a great job. Gurley obviously has helped out golf, but that, and that defense is crazy too. I mean, they, yeah. the, the acquisitions that they've had over the, over the past year with Marcus Peters and Dominican too, I'm missing a couple more. Um, yeah, I mean, they're both loaded from top to bottom on offense and defense, so that's going to be an awesome Thursday night game. Let's talk about the Packers for a second here. I think that, and I, I came in, I didn't pick them as a playoff team. My big thing was I said, well, did you listen to the playoff pre- my um, NFL preview show? Did you listen to any of that? I don't think so. What, okay. what, was, your, what was your take? Well, I just said they need to keep Rodgers healthy. If Rodgers is healthy, they can be a 10-win team, but this is a really tough division, and I don't know if they can keep him healthy. And lo and behold, we saw what happened in week one. He's playing hurt. He doesn't. Did you watch the game on Sunday? He didn't look like the normal Aaron Rodgers. He was definitely nicked up. Yeah, um, I mean, actually, you know, my brother said this to me this weekend, and I think it's like a really good point. It was kind of hilarious. This is actually my take on Rodgers. I mean, he is in this mode right now where he's like, everyone look at me, this doesn't count. That's the mode that he's in right now. It's like, hey, I'm hurt. Just so everyone knows, don't, don't, don't knock me. You know, I'm out here. I can barely step on my, step on my foot because my hip. Like, it's this whole thing. I know you were talking about the Bachelorette before this, and I was like, no, 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 Bachelorette. Like, he is really <laughs> drama queen. And that's always reminded me of his, his, his brother right now. And I'm just done with it. I'm done with it. I'm fine with you not having him in the playoffs. I don't want him in the playoffs. So I, right now, I think that, I mean, I do think he truly is hurt. And I think that's clearly affecting his performance, which I know that you believe to some extent. I think that they need, they should just sit him for a week or two and get him back to being at 100%. Right now, it's much better to have him miss a couple games in September. Maybe you can get some guys, other guys to step up in the meantime, which could help them out better in the long run. And then, I mean, it's better for him to miss two games right now than in November. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. But, I mean, if you give up two games, that's a, I mean, that's a tough thing to do. Like, yeah. That's a tough thing to do. I mean, there's 16 games in this season. Like, you you really can't waste a week. Um, if he can be out there, I think you have to keep him out there just because, I mean, that's the reality of the situation. This team is not, unless you're playing, I mean, we even saw the Bills, especially with the talent with Minnesota, but also with how the Bears have looked. I mean, that defense is elite. Whether, you, whether or not you want to think, you know, whether or not people think Trubisky can really bring them to anything relevant, I mean, that defense is something to be reckoned with. And, the, the I mean, the Packers came out lucky on opening night. So, I, I mean, that, that, that division is not going to be easy, even a wild card. I wouldn't sit them. The Packers could very easily be 0-3 right now. Yes. They're lucky to be 1-1-1. Yeah, that's a weird thing to think about. I, but I think you're completely right. So here's the thing about the Bears that's weird. They've been impressive in their loss and underwhelming in their win. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way of putting it. Like, I think the problem is still the same in every single case. Like, I don't, I don't think anything's changed. Although they've been underwhelming in their win, like Arizona, they're not really a good team. They don't really have a quarterback. Rosen, we have no idea how good he's going to be. I think they were pretty good against Seattle. I would have to disagree with you. I think they were good against Seattle. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, you never know with Seattle. Like, I, you never know how good they are, to be honest with you. I mean, Russell Wilson's running for his life. They don't really have a good team, but um, I think the Bears look pretty good. The, the, the issue is never changed. It has never been an issue of, hey, is that defense good? Hey, do we have good running backs? Yeah. Now we have weapons around him. So, I mean, I, everything's reliant. Everything's kind of contingent on Trubisky's play. Would, would you disagree? No, I, I would agree with that part. I do think, though... When I watched that first half of, with Seattle, they were up 10-3, to 3, I believe. If I wasn't paying attention to the score and I was watching the game in a restaurant, I would think they were up 24-3. to 3. Oh, the Bears? Yeah. I mean, the, the Bears didn't capitalize on offense, and that's why I think 
that's something that's startling because it looks like they're only going to be able to beat teams if they hold them under 15 or 16 points. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a huge issue. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, the thing with Trubisky is that he'll make throws that you're really impressed with. Like He'll make throws, he'll be comfortable in the pocket, and he'll make good throws, and you'll be like, all right, we got ourselves a quarterback. And the next thing you know, you know, he's, he doesn't trust himself. He doesn't go through his progression in the pocket. You see that way too much. He doesn't take chances down the field. And when he does take chances down the field, it's the wrong time. That's the only thing I'm seeing in these first three games. Whenever he's taking a chance down the field, he did it in Seattle. He underthrew the ball and it got picked. He did it a couple times in Arizona where he just threw the ball on double coverage or there was nothing open. So I don't, his, his decision-making along with just him trusting himself with the long ball and when to throw it, that's one thing that, that I'm questioning. I, I don't see Trubisky taking us anything farther than, you know, maybe a wild card win in the first week of the playoffs. Because after that, you need a quarterback. You know as what you know as well as me. Unless you have a legendary defense, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put a lot on the Bears. You know, like I wouldn't. I just would. Yeah. Was there anyone else that impressed you this weekend, Josh Allen? How do you think he played? Pretty awesome, right? He's a competitive dude. That's what I. That, that's the kind of thing that I get out of him. Is like everyone loves him. That's on that team, and that hurdle that he had on that third and ten. I mean, you gotta have. Oh my You gosh. gotta have some cojones <laughs> to do that. Like that. That is. Yeah. That is a big time play. I mean, it's kind of stupid if you think about it, but I respect <laughs> the hell out of that. I mean, that was something that was impressive. I don't know if that's a fluke. I mean, what? I mean, what do you think? No, I, I liked him coming in. I love the FCS factor. I mean, I was at an FCS football school for a couple of years. Um, he, same conference as Wentz, I'm pretty sure. Wyoming, I think it's cool. Anyone coming from that part of the country that doesn't get a whole lot of love. And, I mean, he's very athletic. I think he looks very athletic. I have some one friend who's a Bills fan. He was pretty pumped and excited about him coming out of the preseason. And I think you look very sharp. I think you hit the nail on the head there with the uh, competitiveness there. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a really competitive dude, and that always helps out. I mean, another impressive thing with Baker Mayfield. I don't know how he didn't get to him. Um, I mean, the way that he played Thursday night was super impressive, and I think that Browns fans should be raving about him. They should. They just have to be because I'm sure they are. Them, yeah, he got them the first win in two years. Like he. Went 17 for 23. Uh, maybe he was slinging it like far. He was getting the ball out of his hands quickly. I think Baker is uh, – this this group of quarterbacks, I know that Donald didn't play well Thursday, but this group of quarterbacks is, is going to be something special. I, I mean, we'll see about Rosen. I need to see a little more from Darnold, but, I mean, definitely – I mean, I need to see more from all of them, but – I mean, it looks like the two those two guys really impressed this weekend, Allen and Mayfield. We'll see. And then, obviously, Mahomes, who's not a part of this class, but he's been great. Yeah, well, I mean, Mahomes is a stud. Um, it does help that he's got some crazy weapons around him, but nevertheless, he's done a really good job of facilitating that offense, making huge plays down the field, making sure that, you know, like Tyree Kill has just been utilized through the roof. Um, yeah. I think you need to continue to do that because he's unlike anyone else. Alex Smith was playing at a very high level at the start of last year, which prompts the question I know a lot of people are discussing is will Mahomes continue at the pace he's playing at? I mean, eventually you'd think he'll be slowed down once there's enough tape on him, but what do you expect out of Mahomes through the rest of the season? He's got all the tools, but I think he's going to cool off. Um, and that's nothing against him. I just think that, like, yeah. he's going to cool off for the sake that, just for the, the clear fact that he's been through the roof so far. I mean, this guy has thrown. He threw six touchdowns against the Steelers. I think he has 13 touchdowns and zero interceptions in his first three games. So, of course, he's going to cool off a little bit, but I think he's a real deal. I don't think this is a fluke by any means. He's got a cannon. Um, he's really good out of the pocket. I mean, he was a baseball player, too. He can throw on the run. And I don't think that's even a question. So he's got all the tools. And I think that he's got the tools around him, too. This is a great opportunity for him. You don't really see a lot of these teams just ditching their quarterback that can win them a Super Bowl. I mean, Alex Smith could win them a Super Bowl. 
he could. I truly believe that. Yeah. You don't see a lot of teams ditch the guy that could win them a Super Bowl for a second-year player that hasn't played at all. I mean, that's that's a that's a statement in itself, is it not? I mean, that, that, that's yeah. got to be a statement that you have to take with some weight. So I don't think there's any question that it's a real deal. Well, I think that you bring up that part about moving on from Alex Smith. I think part of the value to having a rookie or second-year quarterback is you have them on such a cheap contract, you're saving a lot of money at the quarterback position, and then you can use that money to put more talent around him. So they saved a lot of money by getting rid of Alex Smith, who has played very well for the Redskins thus far. Um, And I do think he's... I don't think Alex Smith gets enough love. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think he gets enough love, but I also think that it's somewhat warranted at times. I think that he... I think that he's a good quarterback, and when people are like, yeah, I mean, he's looking like an MVP right now in the first five games, like, yeah, great. But <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like, he's not a Rodgers. He's not a Brady. Um, he's not a Breeze. I think Breeze is overlooked all the time. I think He's not a Matt Ryan. I think that he's a good quarterback, and sometimes his pad, his stats are padded a little bit just because, I, I mean, he, he's constantly checking down, especially with the Kansas City. He was constantly checking down with weapons that were, you know, beyond a 20 mark, 20 yard throw. Um, so I, I think that he's a really good player. And I think, like I said, he could win a Super Bowl, but, um, he does get hate. I mean, he had a little bit of a stint in, in San Francisco where he was like the grim reaper. I mean, <laughs> everyone hated him. <laughs> well, it's cause he wasn't Rogers and he was picked 24 picks before Rogers or whatever the number of picks it was. Yeah. He was the first pick in the what? 2005 draft, right? Yep. Yeah. What do you think about that? Um, what I was saying about saving money on rookie contract quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is, it's tough from a it's tough from a perspective of a team that needs a quarterback. When you're making that decision, and you invest in a quarterback and you draft him. I mean, how hard is it to get a quarterback nowadays? like a good quarterback. Like if yeah. you get a good quarterback, you hold on to that quarterback for dear life. Um, and I think that's part of it is that these, these quarterbacks have so much power because if they are good and you're not giving them good money, all they're going to do is move on. Um, I think the biggest thing in the NFL right now is guaranteed money, especially with these running backs and just making sure that they're getting their money's worth. Cause they don't, you know, they don't have a long career. But I think in the case of a quarterback, I mean, you need to invest. You need to. And maybe sometimes that's going to bite you in the butt. But, I mean, if that means that if they turn out well, you got them for a little while and you're going to turn them into your franchise quarterback, it's worth a risk. So what's your take on this Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterback controversy? Yeah, I, I'm done with Jameis, man. I'm so done. Whoa. I feel like I've like made so many excuses for him. Like just watching him play, um, I, I'm done with him. Like I, I wouldn't unless like Fitzpatrick starts playing poorly. I wouldn't even think about putting Jameis in. If you think about it, I mean Jameis has done nothing but. I mean Jameis is a solid quarterback. He's got good talent, but Jameis has done nothing for this franchise in a positive manner. I mean this is a pretty low. At one point, this is a pretty loaded team that went, you know, nine and seven. And Jameis threw 18 interceptions. He had one good year where he threw like 27 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Other than that, he's just been a distraction. And last year was a debacle. He can't. He he can't seem to get away from trouble. Too. I mean, you can't have that as a quarterback. You can't. Like it's one thing for like Josh Gordon to be an idiot and he's just an asset. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well at least he's open. You know what I mean? Like this is the quarterback. Like this is the quarterback. This is what reflect your entire team. Like you are the leader of your team and he is a leader, but you're not going to be a leader in the sense of actually like you can be a leader by telling people what to do. But at the end of the day, like if you're an idiot, no one cares. No one cares. No one cares. And Fitzpatrick's Fitzpatrick's playing his butt off. This is where we differ on something because I think Jameis should get to start next week. Wow. The reason why is I think that, First of all, this team is two and one. It's not like they are nine and five and they're on the cusp of making the playoffs and you got to ride this thing out. It's only been a few games. We still don't know how good a team this is. 
Ryan Fitzpatrick's had a nice season, no doubt about it. He had a great first two weeks. Last night, he played pretty well against the Steelers. He did throw three interceptions. But I think that, I just think that he's 34, 35 years old. What's the future after this year? Is this, is with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm of quarterback, are you good enough to win a Super Bowl this year? So ask yourself that question. I mean, that's, that's, there's a long way at this point just to get to the playoffs, right? So, in the meantime, you got to figure out what's going to be your long term plan at quarterback. I think this is where you got to figure out is Jameis going to be a franchise quarterback for you guys? Are you going to keep trying? Or are you just going to pull the plug at this point, which it sounds like you have already done? Um, I, I would just go and see where he goes with this season and then make a decision. I mean, what kind of president are you setting if you just get, if you just hand this back to Jameis? I mean, don't you see the benefit in whole, like staying away from Jameis right now, giving it to Fitzpatrick, and making Winston earn this back? Because, you know, we don't disagree that this guy is extremely competitive. He is a leader when he's on the field and not acting like an idiot. I mean, <laughs> I could see this being good for him. Not to mention... I mean, where's the fine line between, oh, are we going to win the Super Bowl? Like, let's be realistic about this. Well, one team out of 32 is going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So if you want to be realistic, yeah, there's a good chance that you're not going to win the Super Bowl. But you also play to win games. And you put, like you never know. You really don't know. And the way Fitzpatrick's playing, keep in mind, the first two weeks he's better than any quarterback in the NFL, hands down. He can, he can do it. He just proved it. So... This franchise also hasn't made the playoffs since John Gruden was the coach 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another thing that's crazy. So, I mean, I think that you need to stick with Fitzpatrick. I, I don't even think it's a question. I think you stick with him until Whoa. he becomes a detriment. Well, I'm glad we got both sides of the argument there. I mean, I do think that, I mean, really, I think it's a tough call. I mean, you might not think it's a tough call, but I think it's a difficult decision. I don't really lean too strongly on the Jameis side. I do hear where you're coming from, and I do think that, yeah, you could ride this out, see how long it lasts, because Fitzpatrick could fizzle out in two or three weeks. Yeah, I mean, I just think, well, I mentioned, like, there's one out of 32 teams that are going to win the Super Bowl, so, like, that that argument always of, are you going to win the Super Bowl? Like, are you really going to win the Super Bowl? That I mean, that kind of... A, Personally, like, I think that's just, like, a stupid statement. Like, I think, like, I think, like, if, if you're a good football team, you you give the you give your team the best chance to win. And if it's Patrick's that chance, I don't, I mean, Janice has tried proving himself. He's played for three years, maybe more. I mean, he's, he's done it. He's been there. Like, this is, this tryout is over. Like, the tryout's over, man. You, you're in the NFL. Whoa. You are a solidified quarterback in the NFL. Like, Hopefully you can turn your career around, but I mean, turn your, I mean, he's not a bust. I, I'm not, and by no means am I saying he's a bust, but I am pretty disappointed in him because I thought that he was going to be a really good quarterback. And I think this argument is kind of, personally, I just think Fitzpatrick is so, it, he's been so good. There's no question. If he keeps this up with the exception of the Steelers game, yeah, he struggled at times, but when have we not seen Jameis do that? I mean, when have we not seen Jameis do that? So um, I personally, I would stick with Fitzpatrick if he if he shows any signs of what he showed in the first two. Well, I thought Jameis was a couple good a couple years ago. Yeah, last year he was injured like the whole second half. It seemed he was out for most of that year. Once again, I don't I don't think that I don't think that he's bad. I don't, but I think that he's not playing up his, to, to his potential, and I think that he hasn't grown up at all. I mean, this is like the section. Is it isn't this the second sexual? issue that he's had like a sexual harassment issue that he's had allegations yes um yeah this one however i believe took place two over two years ago that's one thing i think should be clear although i will have to fact check that yeah i mean nevertheless i just think at this point in time you don't mess with what's going on here i mean if it wasn't for that terrible first half by the Bucks, i mean they would have won that game they really would have so, I think you stick with Fitzpatrick right now, barring any changes. Um, you let Jameis earn his spot back, and maybe that lights a fire under him. Maybe that does. I, I think it does, honestly. I'm ready to disagree with you on a second thing. My Steelers would have won that game regardless. You think so? 
I mean, they're, they've won their last five games on Monday night. They seem to have a knack for winning these primetime games, especially the Monday night games. I thought for sure, I thought like they're for sure going to win last night. They have a horrendous defense. And it just, it to me, like, I think Fitzpatrick was coming back. I mean, Fitzpatrick was coming back, and that, that team was coming back. They lost 30-27. to 27. I mean, I think, personally, if the, if the Steelers had not played so well in the first half, not even that, I think that if Tampa didn't play so poorly in the first half, we would be talking differently about not only Fitzpatrick, but about that Bucks steelers game. I honestly think that Tampa probably would have had the edge in that second half. Well, can't you give the Steelers credit for their defense in the first half? Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Three I, interceptions? I never, yeah, I never want to be the guy that's like, oh, well, they didn't earn it, or like, oh, well, if this didn't happen, because it did happen. But nevertheless, I do think that this Tampa team, with the exception of that one half, is on a pretty good run right now, and I think that's undisputable. Um, and I don't think you mess with that. That That's kind of what I'm trying to get across. So I want to share a stat with you. I shared this with Rachel last week. The Steelers in weeks one through nine since 2013 are 24, 20, and one. Do you know what their record is in the after in week 10 or later? Very, very good. <laughs> what is it? 30 and eight. Wow. See, that doesn't surprise me. That's all. I mean, yeah. Pittsburgh has always been a playoff team, man. Like Pittsburgh has always had a playoff. And what's interesting is, I think that a lot of people are always like, "Oh, Big Ben's done. Big Ben's done." Like, no, no, Big Ben's not done until Big Ben wants to be done. That guy slings it. <laughs> that guy slings it, and he will sling it till his grave. I mean, that guy can sling it. So I, I never. I mean, they're doing this. Keep in mind, like they don't even have Le'Veon Bell. I mean, this is a yeah. this is a loaded team, and I think it's not because Juju's underrated, but Juju is for sure overlooked just because of Antonio Brown. He's a stud. Yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster is a stud. That last year was not a fluke. That guy can flat out play. So they have all the tools. Um, it's just that defense. That defense. Yeah. So and Juju was having a lot of fun last week. It was great to see. So I feel pretty good about this team now. Do I think they could lose the next two weeks and then they'll be at one and three and everyone's freaking out? Oh, the Steelers are over. Yeah, I think that could. I think that could happen. I think anything's in play, but I'm not going to be worried about them until I see them faltering later in the season or if one of these other teams in the division really, really steps up and takes over the division. What did you think about Antonio Brown tweeting? All right, then trade me. I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was very immature. <laughs> I have a theory about why receivers act so immature and have are just divas. Why so many receivers are divas. Why do you think that is? Do you have any theory? I have a theory. Okay, well, one, I think they want the ball. And yes. when you want the ball, you start acting like a child because who always wants yep. the ball? A child. So <laughs> um, I think that's one thing. That's one of my theories. Two, I think that a lot of these guys are super athletic and they're super talented, but their position relies on someone else. And I think that's a pretty tough position to be in. It is yeah. what it is. And that's the reality of it. But I think a lot of these guys are super athletic, super talented. I mean, you look up and down, these elite wide receivers are freaks, freaks. And when you're in a position where you're relying on someone else, that could be a tough one to be in. Yeah. I think, I think um, my theory is very similar to yours. Is just that if you are a receiver, in order to have the ball, you need to have the quarterback's attention. So you always have to have the quarterback's attention, and that can turn into a psychological thing of wanting to have attention all the time and an insecurity. So yeah, uh, yeah, I think they're very similar. I mean, it's for sure. I mean, there's something. There's something there because it's not just a fluke that all these wide receivers love being in the media. I think. I lost a little bit of respect for Antonio Brown. Like, I I think that's, like, just extremely disrespectful to your entire team. Like, personally, say what you want about Le'Veon Bell, but, I mean, I, I think what Antonio Brown tweeted and just, like, him saying that, it's, in my opinion, it's up there with what Le'Veon Bell is doing. Because I think at least Le'Veon Bell is trying to get what he's worth. And I think that the NFLPA and the NFL is kind of screwed up with the way that they approach these running backs. 
Um, but you know, that's just, I'm, I would assume that I'm very much the minority on that opinion. Well, I mean, I think that I understand exactly where he's coming from. I just think he's handling it poorly. Yeah, I think he is too with the way he's, he's, he's tweeting also. I mean, yeah, he's kind of acted poorly too. I would agree with you. Um, but I and think, this is money that you're never going to get back, so you may as well take it and then get your big payday this winter or this spring, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another way that you can go about it. So I think that he's trying to make a statement more than anything. I don't think he really cares about the money at this point. Not not saying that he wants a lot of money for his contract. I'm saying that he doesn't care about the money that he's losing game by game until yeah. he probably gets to week 10 where he's going to get a huge cut. Um, I think right now it's just a statement. But that's a whole other argument. <laughs> All right. Well, Cody, you did a great job today. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we leave? No, man. I'm all good. I got all I got all the sports off my chest. My roommate doesn't like talking sports, so <laughs> um, this was like a way for me to vent, which I love. Well, it was a lot of fun. You're welcome back, and I'm sure uh, we'll meet up sometime soon. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, one more thing, Cody. Is there a social media um, handle, anything you want to promote here? Um, I mean, my Twitter's funny, Seabowen1. Seabowen1. If you want to laugh, follow that. Yeah, if you, if you want to laugh, follow <laughs> that, man. Well, thanks again, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Jack. That's it for my conversation with Cody Bowen. Had a lot of fun discussing Sports and football and baseball, everything that's going on there with him saluting the great Hawk Harrelson. If you would like to get in touch with me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at the Jack Vita. That's at the Jack Vita. You can tweet me your thoughts. I would love to hear what you think on our takes today, what you thought of Hawk Harrelson, what you think the Bucks should do at their quarterback position. Go ahead and tweet me. Let me know. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to Press On Sports on iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. That way you will never miss an episode and you will always be aware whenever there's fresh content available. In terms of fresh content, coming next week, I will be having my playoff baseball preview with Jordan Morandini and I'll be doing a similar podcast to the one I did today with Connor Bame, who will be making his first appearance and his debut to the podcast should be a lot of fun can't wait to break the mid in with him it'll be a blast so looking forward to doing that looking forward to hearing your thoughts that's it for today's show bring in the dancing lobsters